This is Robert Stephen Kramars, Executive Director of Intelliversity, and this is your Vision Master podcast, where today we are interviewing, well, if it isn't obvious, not Bill Gates. All right. How are you, uh, How are you today, Bill? Not Bill. I'm doing great, and I'm smiling, as you can see. <laughs> so um, it kind of looks like you just took a new vaccine, and... Um, it's created this blue aura around your face. Is that kind of a, the outcome of these new vaccines? Is that I, I've been told it's, tempor it's, it's temporary. It's temporary. It, it all go, it, it goes away. It's like a little force field feel. <laughs> uh, and it does go away after a bit. So this is what we can expect. Here, I made a deal with my wife that I would take the new vaccine if you'll personally come to my home and inject me. Would you be willing to do that? Probably not, Rob. <laughs> as much as I'd love to. All right, so here, here we are. Enough said. In a, in a few minutes, we're going to cover a very interesting topic, which is the disaster, or almost disaster, of having Steve Ballmer take over as CEO of Microsoft in 2000. But the, there's a huge lesson for vision masters in that, in that period and doing that and having him take over for you as CEO. Uh, and I want... Uh, the vision masters who are listening to, to really get that. But I want to cover that in just a couple of minutes because there's something else that's really interesting. So hold your horses, people. Uh, while I ask you the question that they initially came for, which is, what is your opinion of, uh, of uh, Steve Jobs and um, Elon Musk and, um, you know, are they the same person in disguise? Are they both assholes? What's your opinion from your elevated position now? From my from my elevated position here, <laughs> I you know I well I, I think I said in a previous interview that you'd never confuse the two guys in a cocktail party. I mean, uh, okay, obviously, uh, you know, Elon is a classic engineer. He he he'd rather stand in a corner reading his his uh, his watch or playing with a book or doing anything but interact. I mean, he's, you know, he's a shy kind of introverted guy. Kind of like you. Uh, kind of, yeah, I'm probably in that respect, uh, probably a lot more like Elon. I'd rather be, you know, if I'm at a cocktail party, I'm just waiting so I can get the hell out of there, you know. But uh, Jobs would be over there holding court, you know, he'd have his acolytes around him. He'd be expounding some sort of obviously genius marketing strategy. Now, helping think up products we hadn't thought of yet. Uh, but so they're very, very different. Uh, they may have a lot of things in common, but you'd never mistake them at a cocktail party for the same guy. Well, that's interesting. I, 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 do you remember uh, there was a cocktail party at CES? You and I were both at it in about 1981. And, and I remember that exactly. You were standing in the corner, probably not reading your watch, but just not that, reading, yeah. reading something or just standing there and it trying was, to get the hell out of there <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that but that's that's yeah. that's that's the public elon musk and the public um steve jobs sure by the way e elon was on stage yesterday with the battery um uh special right. and um he did look very awkward on stage uh -huh. and and steve jobs never looked awkward on stage he was charismatic right so i think you're that's right about yeah, 
But in private, in private, in running their companies as vision masters, what do you think uh, they're like? Uh, how how are they similar as vision masters? Well, I mean, they're both extremely demanding uh, and classic visionaries. Uh, so, uh, you know, they they have to have a way of projecting that vision onto a very large team in order to succeed. You know, this isn't where you sit in your basement and, and figure something out and come out well out to the world. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you need a big team. And so you have to have a way to motivate and inspire a big team. And they're both able to, they were both able to do that. Which makes them vision masters, not just visionaries, right? So, right. And, and I did read your book. Oh, and, good. And, I, and I appreciate the difference because, uh, and I think when we kind of get closer to the end, we can even talk a little bit more about that. And, and but, but yeah, there, the world is full of visionaries who never get anything done. I mean, vision masters have a vision and then execute it or make sure it's executed. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll get to the difference between executing it and making sure it's executed in a moment. But um, so what's the similar common theme of how these guys and you managed your ventures? Well, but, you know, before I started this interview, I did watch your other two clips of, on your blog when you interviewed uh, not Musk and uh, not Jobs. And, you know, the two, they both basically had a similar style, which is, I think you call it the mission impossible management style. And I think it's absolutely essential to, well, to executing a vision because you, you are doing something that nobody else has done before. You can't be surrounded by people who think it's impossible. Uh, you, your job is in fact to do the impossible. And so by holding people to very, very high standards of accountability uh, and demanding the impossible from them, uh, you're able to not only get your immediate staff to, to fulfill that impossible vision, but they have to push it downhill to their team, which is how you motivate tens of thousands of people. So what about all this yelling and screaming and arguing that was, that's so prevalent at Microsoft even today and was all, and, and, and these not jobs and not, uh, and not Elon, um, also engage in a lot of berating of employees and criticizing and you did the same yeah. you did the same what about that yeah. is that necessary I think, yes <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> i think so and i think the fact that uh it, it oh, really boy. is how you let diverse opinions out of the bag right if if you didn't have conflict everybody would be agreeing and everybody would have the same opinion and you would tolerate people that weren't delivering. So by being a bit of a jerk, uh, and I think you've alluded to this too, by being somewhere between a jerk and an asshole, uh, you're basically able to create this culture of friction uh, where you produce awesome results. You know, I'm gonna leave that issue, uh, wow, uh, uh, for future determination, because I, I am absolutely convinced it isn't necessary but I am not worth a hundred billion dollars, uh, and uh, you uh, are, approximately. 
So um, I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt right now, but what we've just done is given permission to tens of thousands of vision masters to berate their lower, you know, the people on their team. And well, how about and, this? And, is me, there, is there a way around this so that that's sustainable? Well, you need to understand that's me being Bill Gates or not Bill Gates in this case, right? I mean, that's part of my personality. So, and I think it was part of Jobs's personality, and I think it's part of Elon's personality. Uh, so, you still have to be true to your own personality. I mean, we've all softened. I'm a lot cuddlier than I was 40 years ago, right? I mean, so yeah. I was an impetuous young jerk, and we do get older and smarter. So I'm not saying you have to be a jerk. I'm saying if you are a jerk, it's just going to be part of who you are and how you manage. I, I don't, yeah. If I spent all my life trying not to be Bill Gates. You'd be I not Bill think, Gates. I'd be which, not Bill Gates. Which is exactly what you are. Right. You're, you're not Bill Gates. But you not enough, I, don't, I don't think anybody should confuse me with the actual. Hey, by the way, your shield is falling. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll happen. It's slipping. Uh, awesome. All right, here, so, awesome. Let, so let's take up the, um, the topic that everybody's been waiting for. So um, sure. you had your longest, closest relationship at Microsoft was Steve Ballmer. Right. Which, by the way, you know, you hired in 1980. Um, yep. That was right around the time, and I don't remember if it was before or after, uh, but it was right around the time that you offered me the job of running Microsoft's North American sales operation. If you remember the dinner we I had. I don't we remember, had, we but you must, have, yeah. you must have screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. I don't remember, but I think Steve um, was already on board at that point, but he was not at that dinner that you and I and right. Paul Allen had. Uh, and yet, um, and I, of course, declined, and then Steve took over as in charge of sales and uh, support at that point. And then um, you elevated him in the year 2000 to CEO at that point. Right. I was glad but to, to do talk, to, Go ahead. Talk about your relationship, working relationship up to that point, and then what, what changed? And what was the mistake? What was the, well, big you know, mistake? what was the big mistake you think you made at that point? Let me get to the mistake in a second. I mean, uh, Steve and I were two peas in a pot, or, you know, we were, I think some people said a mind meld, that we were almost of one mind. And, uh, you know, having read Born to Star, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I think if I had, I might have not made what I consider a pretty large mistake. But uh, because we were of one mind, I always assumed that uh, Steve could just take over and run, uh, that he got the whole vision part of the equation. Uh, you know, as it turns out, Steve is a good execution master, and that's why we were so strong together in, in the very beginning. I was the vision master. He was the execution master. So unwittingly, the mistake that I made was to put my execution master in charge of the vision for Microsoft. And, you know, that's why, you know, if you, if you look at the numbers on paper, you know, Microsoft grew very well. I mean, our, our sales went up by a huge factor, our profits increased, or, you know, every, everything was up. But there was 
no excitement on, in the marketplace on the, certainly in the uh, in the share market uh, there's no excitement for the for the company because the vision wasn't there I mean and there were some huge mistakes made you know we went after the wrong products and passed on the right products uh, it was it was a mess but that's the issue never ever 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 put your execution master in charge of your vision well let's be clear in charge of your company is that what you mean well in charge of the company but he, but but see when he's the ceo he's in charge of the vision that's the point i, I yeah i mean so it's the company for sure but it is, you, you, you can never really delegate your vision to someone who is not a vision master. Yeah. All right. And that's so, in, so he did really well for Microsoft for 20 years from 1980 to, or 1981, I think it was. Uh, Actually, he was hired in 1980, took over yeah. as CEO in 2000. That's when the stock began to stagnate, and mm -hmm. he left the CEO ship uh, in um, let's see, 2014. So 14 years. Right. And during that time, he developed hardware products. As we understand it, that was the big difference of opinion between the two of you. Am I correct? That's probably. That? Yeah. It's probably what caused us to kind of drift apart. That and you're not, you're not really socially connected with Steve anymore, are you? No, not at all. Right. So he, he went, the thing, the thing that pushed him out was the Nokia acquisition, which was a total bomb, uh, kind was. of a, a last ditch attempt to dominate cell phones. Right. Right. Yeah, we argued long and loud and that was that. So, so uh, sum it up for us, because we're running out of time here. What is the lesson for vision masters? In how to handle a relationship with an execution master. The vision master has to be in charge. I mean, the execution master executes the vision that the vision master has. It's not like one is uh, inferior to the other, but there is a hierarchical relationship because, because of that execution of a particular vision. If you reverse it, things don't go so well. All right. Yeah. It's a mistake that so many investors make is they ask the founding CEO to give up the job to someone who can run a company. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the mistake, even though you made it 20 years later, that others have not made, like Mark Zuckerberg, whether you like him or not, Sheryl Sandberg reports mm -hmm. to the CEO. Gwynne Shotwell reports to Elon Musk. Tim Cook reported to Steve Jobs, right? right. Now, Tim Cook's in charge of Apple, no great new vision. Stock's doing None. well, but no Stock's great new vision, right? And how, how that won't be able to, that can't go on forever. Right. That, that, that has to get correct. That will correct itself one way or another. I agree. Yeah. Well, 
not Bill Gates. Good seeing you again here. Good seeing you All again right. generally. And, you know, I hope to see you when you um, inject that uh, vaccine in me personally. Personally, I, I've got, I'm just trying to find <laughs> the right size needle. All right. <laughs> and where you're going to put it, right? Right, exactly. Right. Okay. And this is, uh, yeah, just uh, signing off. This is Robert Stephen Kramers of the Vision Master podcast from Intelliversity. And uh, that's the way it will be.